Welcome to Joy this morning. <laughs> we had a videotape, me and uh, Josh got together on, third, on Tuesday and said, what can we show uh, the congregation when we talk about joy on Sunday morning? Because we went to all the Christian areas of joy and they kind of managed to press. So, but I didn't know when we made that video, when we showed that video, that the guy on that video looked like me this last week. You know how you start off doing well and you're singing, you're having a great time, and then life hits you right in the face? I mean, the day I was right this Friday, I was writing a message, getting it all down. I felt so annoying. I had it all done. And I said, well, I need to fix the sink because my wife asked me to fix the sink in the laundry room. And I said, it'll just take a five-minute job. So I went in there and turned the water off and tried to work the sink and turn it back on. And I said, it's not working. So I turned it back off. And when I went to turn it back off, it kept twisting off. And then water just shot out. And I'm underneath the sink getting hit in the face. I couldn't see anything. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting all wet. My sweats was getting all wet. I just finished mopping the floor. And I wasn't feeling the joy. I was making a whole bunch of noise. And it wasn't a joyful noise to the Lord. (laughs) All wet. Had to get changed. Slide on the other side of the house. Get changed. Go down to Abilene um, Lumber. No one waited on me, so I had no joy. Had to go to Lowe's, ask the guy, hey, is this the part that I need? Because I broke the part and my wife will be home by 5 (laughs) o'clock. And as I did that, I said, okay, he gave me the part and I'm underneath there. And I'm like, Lord said, that's you on the video. Because you had no joy driving down um, um. Luke 3.22, you were speeding, you were mad, and you're the preacher. (laughs) So I said, God, I got it. I got it. I got joy because I fixed it. And then then he didn't stop there. So I had to take my wife to the airport yesterday. See, it's been one of these weekends. Got back, settled in, stopped by, see Pastor Sammy, he's doing well. So, okay, I'll, I'll just go ahead and print up the message because I usually read it about 11 o'clock at night just to get it in my head so I can, I can uh, meditate on it. And my print, I got a, a Canon print, it never breaks down. Well, it says it was out of ink on one cartridge. So I took the cartridge out, put a new cartridge in. Then it said the other cartridge doesn't work. So I pulled the cartridge out, got a new cartridge, put it out, opened it up. And you know you open this up 100 times. It leaked all over my hands. Now, joy just wasn't there last night, or this morning, I should say, because I got done by 1 o'clock. But my biggest fear was if Donna sees this ink on the carpet, I'm in big trouble. So I was praising God that it didn't get on the carpet. So I wouldn't find all I can find with the fingernail remover, getting the stuff off my fingers. My fingers are, you shake my hand, they're crusty. Because it went all down in my nails and all that other stuff. And God said, share the story, because that was you on the video. And that can be us at any given moment. Now, I have eternal joy, but I tell you what, the outside circumstance broke through. And I'm praying this morning that this will surely pass me and maybe get one of y'all. Just kidding. But <laughs> That's what joy is. Joyful. It's our second part. If you look at that uh, video, what it is is Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. 
And you know, the first three words is, oh, friends, no more sounds. Let us sing more cheerful songs, more full of joy. And it ends like this. Do, not, uh, do you fall in worship, you millions? World, do you know your creator? Seek him in the heavens above the stars. He must dwell. And that was Beethoven wrote the Ninth Symphony on this. And Walt showed me that again. That when we talk about joy today, I want to change your mindset about what joy is. Biblical joy comes only from the creator. Society's joy only comes through creation. Because while we park our cars on creation, and when that falters, our joy falters. But if we place our car or place our ladder on the creator, he never falters. He never changes. He's always steady. So when we talk about joy, it's more than happiness because joy is permanent and is eternal. Happiness, God tell you, is external and it's temporary. Because you can have a happy moment on South 1st and an unhappy moment on South 14th. How many drive in Abilene? But joy stay with you, stays with you. And we talked about this last week, about the fruits of the Spirit. That is eternal, that we can't produce our own fruit. Only from the vine we are branches. And God wants us to produce lasting fruit, much fruit. We talked last week about love, and we said this. This is our takeaway from last week. If you experience the love, make sure I got it right. Like no other, you can love like no other. Our takeaway this week is this. Having joy in the Lord results in having joy in the world. Why? Because joy is a lifestyle, not an event. It's a lifestyle of joy. And outside circumstances will test your joy all the time. I realized that was a test. And I was supposed to get up and tell you I flunked it. It took me an hour and a half to figure out what I, I was so anointed writing. That was on the paper. It was in here, but it definitely wasn't in the heart. And it convicted me. And I'm going to tell you some more about that. But joy, that's what I want to talk about today. And we remember the scriptures we've been using is Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Second one in that line is joy. Let me give you a biblical definition of joy. It should be on the screens. Joy is an inward optimism. Peace and sufficiency that is not affected by outward circumstances. Optimism, not pessimism. I realize today in the world, everyone is kind of pessimistic about life. I'm realizing the body of Christ, the things, because I do a lot of research. We're pessimistic about the church in America. We're pessimistic about the gospel influencing people's lives. We're pessimistic about one another. We're very critical of one another. And as a pastor and also as a gift for the exhorter, I can't deal with pessimism. I'm an optimist all the time. Even in my strength finders, I am one of my strength finders is Oh, gosh, now I can't remember. I'll remember in a little bit. Um, but 
I love optimism, but it's an inward optimism. Inward, which means the inward confidence that life is going to be okay regardless what's going on around us. It's always going to be okay as long as God is our God and we are his kids. It's always going to be okay regardless what the left or the right or whatever's going on around in our world. It's always going to be okay because I said last week, God had the first word and God would have the last word. So anything in between, I want to be optimistic about us touching heaven. I want to be optimistic about raising up leaders. I want to be optimistic about planting churches all around the world. Because God said so, why don't we do it? And the optimistic thing I have is the Bible and his word that never fails. It's like a child. You can't tell a child no. They're optimistic about everything. You tell them, I don't have money. They say, yes, you do. And they wait. They know when you get paid. They don't don't call it over. They want some sneakers. They're going to get them. They'll wear you down. They're serious. I tell them they grow up. They need to leave the house. They don't leave the house. You got them forever. And when we talk about fruit, talked about last week, fruit is not to be produced and left in a container. It's supposed to be eaten by those outside of us. How many of you got Sterling? Come here. You like oranges? See, because your name is Sterling, I have a son named Sterling. Catch. There you go. That's yours. You can sit down now. Don't eat it. I didn't wash them off. Okay. But that's what it is. Taking our fruit and changing the world. And can I tell you, joy is a big one. Because no one wants to be optimistic about anything. You ever watch the stock market at 8 o'clock when they say, hey, this business made a few billion dollars. And then at 11 o'clock, well, that's just artificial. And you know, That reminded me of our lives. When we worship and we put our joy in creation, you're having a great day. Life is good. You can tear it up. You get a bill in the mail. What happened? And you can take this downward spiral because it's all you're dealing with external circumstances. That will change, but our eternal God never changes. The fruit of the Spirit never changes. It's inside of us. Positivity, that's my gift. I'm one of my strength finders. I love positive things. The staff will tell you, they got, I got to deal with negative. I don't like negativity. I can't take it. it drives me crazy. Because here's my plan. Okay, I see the problem. Now, give me three solutions to fix it. Let's talk about the solutions. Let's not talk about the problem. Amen? In the world is saying, I see the problem. God is saying, I see the problem. And guess who he called to fix it? Go like this. Hello. 
Who's going to bring love into the world? Come on. Keep your finger on your heart. Go ahead. Who's going to bring joy in the world? Peace. Us. God called us to change the world, to be salt and light. He don't call us to argue about elective officials. He called us to change the world. Come on, somebody. This is more positive than three songs in a sermon, isn't it? Joy. When you have eternal joy every day, regardless, like I did, it's going to have a crazy time in there. But you have joy that can't leave. Inward optimism, a peace and sufficiency that's not affected by outward circumstances. That we get from our Heavenly Father through the Holy Spirit. Let's fill a few moments and talk about biblical joy, not just happiness. Now, I gave you a story. Everyone was, it was, it was great talking about myself, wasn't it? You know, I'll just say, I'll never do that. Yeah, you would. Anyway, I, I think, you know, my wife told me she left to go to California. She's with my son today in an Every Nation church there. She said, Rich, honey, we've been together 24 years, but don't do anything to the house until I come home. And if you have the need to do that, get Terry, because nothing happens when Terry's with you. So I said, okay, honey, I won't touch, but I go, no, I won't touch anything. I'm, I used to be Bob Vila. I'm losing. But I believe God's testing me to show me that, hey, you need joy in all the circumstances. You should have had a video camera watching Pastor Rich saying nice things. <laughs> Philippians 4.4. It's our scripture. If you have your Bibles, Philippians 4.4. says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord sometime. How many? Always. Now, what are you doing? Basically, you're rejoicing in the love of God. That never changes. When you rejoice in the thing that doesn't change in the creator versus creation, life becomes stable. You rejoice in the love of God. I have joy in the love of God. That's all I need. Because the love of God, remember, defines us, changes us, prepares us for everything outside of here, which is called life. You have joy in the love of God. When you read the scripture, Paul's telling them basically, look, rejoice. Because he starts off that paragraph with two women fighting in the church. You know, when two women fight in the church, how bad is that? That is very bad. When they're fighting in the church, it causes everyone fighting. He said, rejoice in the Lord. And he said this because joy basically is the source of power. Joyce is the source of power. How many, when you're excited and you're happy, you got a pep in your step? <laughs> right? That's when y'all leave out here about 12 o'clock. Then y'all go eat lunch on Sunday. Then we see you Sunday morning. Cheer up, cheer up, go, go. It's the source of power. Nehemiah 8.10. 
when they reconstructed the wall and was putting religious order back in, Ezra got up and read the word. They got so unhappy. Of course, they were convicted. But he's saying, basically, look, the Lord has restored his presence here in this place. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Go out and enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself because God is on the throne. He is back in the city. You're not forgotten. You're not left out. You're not behind. He said, go party. Church, come on. The Lord is Lord over this city. He has not packed his bags and said it's over. And when you have joy, you have power. Think about it. When you have joy, we do projects at the house because we do projects. Honeydews, list. And my wife believes what you start, you finish. Even if you run out of supplies, we'll run back to the store and make sure you finish that day. So you start early in the morning, and, um, and we, I mean, we're putting in a tile floor. And we start at 8 o'clock in the morning. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning, the next morning. I'm like, uh-huh, I got to go preach that morning. This stinks. She said this. She said, and killed me. She said, isn't this just great that we get to do projects together? And we look at it, how we did it together as a team. I said, oh, I said, put some worship music on. <laughs> and she knew, she, she said, I got to put some music on so you'll change. And it changed me. I got done. We got done at 4 o'clock in the morning, took a nap, got on priest the next day. <laughs> said, oh. When I had listened to the music and I heard her voice, instantly I wasn't tired anymore. This is a power unleashed when you have joy in your heart, because the joy was to finish assignment. And you know how you guys, when you cut your grass, y'all love it, right? Y'all go back. Yeah, we all do it. Now, if you don't cut grass, you need to turn in your man card. But, you know, this is Texas. It lasts about what, a couple hours? And then it get that weed come up. Man, where'd that thing come from? And you run on there and snack it up. Poof, get out of there. And you want to make it look perfect. I got weeds. They got to look perfect weeds. Doesn't matter. I live in the country. I'm not looking for grass. I'm looking for coverage. So, so here's the thing. Joy is the source of our power. You want power, eternal power? When the devil, that's what he wants to snatch. Because our number one thief of joy is worry. Worry is the number one, the greatest thief of joy. Paul talked about that in Philippians 4. He said that. Talks about worrying about those things. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. But he said rejoice because, guys, I learned this. The situation doesn't necessarily change, but I'm changed. What happened to me Friday and and Saturday, I mean, last night, (laughs) you know, the, the print is still broken. The faucet still isn't working, but I'm changed. And I know now, I got wisdom from that. I'm calling Terry. (laughs) 
And then when he breaks it, then we'll get blamed for it. No, just kidding. Worry is the greatest thief of joy. And that's what the enemy does, make you worry. We live in a world of worry. Worrying about our finances, our job positions. It's, you know, during the election year, everyone wants you to worry. No one has a solution, but everyone has all the worries to go at you. And you know, as a church, the only solution we have is God Almighty, our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. We're a Christ-centered church. I told someone in the new members class today, two things you always hear out of this house. Love God, love people. Christ is the answer to everything. Sound like a broken record, but that's the truth. Let's look at three things that help us live joy, joyful lives, because this message is called Joyful. Let's go to Acts chapter 16. Look at a couple guys. First one is praise, prayer and praise. There's a couple guys who wanted to change the world, went to a town, did some work, costed um, the people in the town some money. So the people got mad. This is Paul and Silas. Threw them in jail. In fact, jail was a good place because they were beating them. They beat them, stripped them, threw them in the inner jail. Paul and Silas. You can imagine sitting with Paul. Hey, you want to hang out with Pastor Rich? Go get beaten and stripped and then put in jail. How you like me now? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. Immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. First thing you see there, that they actually sung and they prayed. Prayer and praise is such a powerful weapon that we leave behind in our lives. Now, I used to preach this a little off. Because we used to get up here and say, hey, you praise and you get prayer, God. Your situation is going to bust open. Do you know what happens when I pray and I start praising God? The heaviness of the problem, the heaviness of any situation I'm going through, the bondage that it brings breaks off. It breaks off off. Now, the situation might take some time to change, but guess what? I'm changed because things start to change in me. And then I, all of a sudden, external circumstances cannot destroy my joy. The pressure that's on me whenever you're going through. Is anybody going through some financial problems? The pressure that you can't even work straight. Any kind of problem in your life, there's such a pressure applied to you that you can't even move. You can't even think about having a good time. You can't even think about lifting your hands and praising God because it's so strong until you pray. And you give God praise, which is gratitude for thanking him for being alive right now and thanking him ahead of time to remove this thing, I start to feel free. In fact, I am free before the problem has changed because my mind is clear. My heart is clear. And I'm not looking anymore for the situational change. I'm just loving God. 
Because sometimes, guys, that's all you have. I'm just in love with God, which generates my joy overflowing to the full. See, when we worship creation, we start to worship the God, the things of God, not God himself. So our joy, our happiness is only on condition of, did he give me what I wanted? Am I waiting for this? How come he didn't bless? It's amazing when you read in Abraham when they came down before they were going to kill, I mean, destroy Simon and Gomorrah. And Jesus came down in the camp with the two other angels. And Abraham had been work, waiting 24 years for a child. He didn't say when he saw Jesus, hey, Jesus, hey, man, did you forget me? Maybe I'm in line. No, he worshiped. He gave him something to eat. He, he ministered to the Lord. So what do I do? I minister to the Lord. And he ministers to me. And sometimes I look up, it's fixed. Or he gives me the wisdom to fix it with his help. But if we don't learn how to pray and we don't know how to praise God, you always feel like there's a pressure squeezing you, like something's just squeezing a bottle. And life becomes a pressure. Because we live in a fallen world, guys. Things will and they do happen. You can blame Adam all the way back then, but you can give praise to Jesus because he turned it back around, boys, in right relationship with him. So whenever pressure comes, he'll relieve the pressure. And you're healed before it changes. There's a lady here that walked with cancer, and we believed that she was going to healing. And God showed us that she was healed of her She was healed by her attitude toward the condition. She said, here's me. I go to the Lord, I get a new body. I'm here, I'm going to help as much as I can. She received healing, not the way we thought. She didn't let external circumstances destroy the joy that she had. When she sat in her wheelchair over there, you're talking about someone who was dying, ravaged with cancer, lifting their hands, praising God and giving money, and we walk in here with a bad day, convicting because we know everyone in life everyone's looking to be happy just want to be what happy in fact they even market happiness remember after work you go to happy hour oh now you act like y'all so innocent I should go to happy hour couldn't wait I got work going to happy hour happy hour extended four or five hours I was happy. Then I got sick. Then you go home and you put your face in a place your face is not supposed to be. And you're repenting to God. Oh, never. I'll never do this again. Right? Come on, somebody. Have fun, though. I need to be happy. And you lie because you go back the next day and do it again. And you repent again because you're hurt. You're not repenting because you're sorry. Because basically, I don't down alcohol. I know what it did to me. It's just an imitation of the Holy Spirit. Because I can be happy, go home, put my headphones on, 
getting spend some time and some music and some word, and I'm re energized. And I don't got the I got the Holy Ghost buzz, not the buzz I was getting. Then I gotta go everyone the next day. You got all these mints in your mouth. <gasps> Hope they don't smell it. They smell it. <laughs> I even got convicted, and I said, "Man, God, they man." He said, "That's what you used to smell like." Wow. How'd I get on that? Next one, perspective. <laughs> I'm just letting all my laundry out. Perspective. James, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. <laughs> Count it all joy, my brothers. Count some joy. Count it all. Everyone say all. My brothers, which you, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, you notice that when you meet trials, you try to live a trial-free life, it's going to meet you on the road somewhere. But our perspective of a situation affects our response to it. When I was talking about prayer and praise. God gives me a God view of what's going on, the same view he has. Again, our perspective of our situation affects our response to it. When we face trials, we must evaluate them in the light of what God is doing for us. Now, here's the thing. What I learned through that scripture, when I got back, I had to reread it again. After I got all wet and I was repenting, and then you see your steadfastness. God was teaching me, because I'm having issues with this, patience. Because, see, when you read that scripture, patience equals a mature person. Impatience equals an immature person. See, when you're patient, the blessings of God, when they get there, they get there. Because you, you're, you're secure in him. When you're impatient, you live your life being impatient, and you can't wait for something. to If it don't take place, you live from one thing to another. I mean, when I grew up, I want the young kids today, I want to be older. I was talking to Denzel. He got the, the goatee going on, and he's so proud of that. I want to have all that hair, you know. I said, man, I can't wait to have hair on my face. And I, when I was 13, I had all these pimples and all these hair. Then at my age now, nothing here. And you know where it's at now? God has a sense of humor. It comes out of here. It comes out of here. And it definitely comes out of here. I'm like, God, I'll go back to being younger. Don't grow that stuff there. Now I need a groom kit so I'm not looking like a puppy all day. I want to be so old and be so mature and ready to go. This is what age brings? Forget it, man. And that shaving thing hurts. Those, them things don't work. <laughs> that hurts your face. Because we go from, what y'all laughing? Go from one thing to the other thing. And that's what God was doing for me, showing me patience. Rich, you have big dreams, you have big goals, and relax. And, you know, we don't learn patience in the classroom, <laughs> right? Now, sometimes you go to trials because you did something wrong. But a lot of times, if you're a disciple of Christ, it's to grow us up. It really is. And my, my encouragement to you is don't run away from the, the growing up, the encouragement, the growing up part, because be, you'll be complete. 
And guess what? When you're on level five, God said, I'll give you level 10. Because he loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you where you are. Everybody say, oh, my. You know, outlook determines your outcome. To end with joy, you have to begin with joy. Your outlook on a situation will determine the outcome, will turn your response, your response. If you think something's horrendous, is it really that bad? Really? Is it really that bad? If you look at, are we really in that much trouble? Because it says, great is thy faithfulness, his mercy is the new what? Every morning, so you just got to go meet the new mercy. Come on, somebody. You just got to go meet the new mercy. You ain't got to work for it. It's right there for you the next day. You know, weeping my endure for a night, but what? Comes in the morning. Yeah, who supplies the joy? God. Now, those who don't know Jesus, who are waiting for us to share that through the fruit, there is no hope. That's why they take pistols. That's why they take knives. That's why they destroy themselves, because they see no hope. Us, we have a hope. But we don't have hope in creation. We have hope in the creator. How about you? Is your joy manufactured through creation? The things, a car, whatever, physical, invisible? Or is it in the creator who supplies all those things? But he always supplies the right things that we need at the right time. Some of you are waiting for something. Some of you are going through something. But I want to encourage you. Fall in love with God. The joy, his joy should be enough. His love should be enough. Last thing, presence. How many love presence of God? So you can have the presence of God, not just here on Sunday morning. How about every day? (laughs) After I cleaned the ink off my hands this morning, I had a I had a Richard presence. Me, 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 me. But then I had a God presence. And then he said, You need to share all this. I'm like, I'm cool. I don't want them to think I'm not cool. <laughs> he said, share it. I said, it's easy for you to say it. But think about it, presence. This is the one I love. Because when you walk out on God, you miss something. You miss three things. Psalm sixteen eleven. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures, pleasures forevermore. In his presence, you're looking for life and a path. Guys, some of you are being crushed. And the answers are not going to be outside in society. The answers to your path in life is going to be in God's presence. You're looking for joy. And I tell people, unless you know Jesus, you're looking for joy in the wrong areas. We try to find joy in people. We try to find joy in our jobs. We try to find joy in everything else but the Lord. Because, again, that's all short-lived outside of here. Remember we talked about, you know who you are. Your joy fully comes from the Lord. And then someone, if you're waiting for the right relationship, the Lord will bring the right one to you that you experience joy together for the rest of your days. But you try to pick outside what the Lord has for you, you're going to have a temporary mess. And some of us are starting over. But here's the greatest thing. 
Someone said, God's the, 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 he's the author of second chance. No, he's not. He's the author of all chances. He said, if you blow it the first time, he doesn't lose it. Second time, he said, oh, you're just getting started. Third time, he said, oh, at least you're on the road. At least you're moving forward. At least you're failing forward. And what does he do? He picks us up. And you stay in his presence. And you all that time do prayer and prayer. And your perspective is changed. Outside situations won't change. They might. But guess what? You're free. You're so free. Because you know you're the Lord's and the Lord is yours. And on this little bit, when I talk about fruit, every fruit, piece of fruit, has a seed in it. So it's not the fruit of the Spirit. It has a seed that when you go out and talk, touch people, and there's a seed in that, and you plant a seed for trying for another tree to grow. And when another tree grows, y'all live in West Texas. How do you think the mesquite trees get sold? No one planted them. We didn't build nothing. You get one mesquite tree and just, the wind blows or a cow comes along and he deposits some of his. And they're all over the place. This last rain, nothing but mesquite. Why? I got more flat tires on my tractor from the mesquite. Where'd you come from? Seed was planted years ago. Same thing with us. We go out, love and joy, and we plant a seed.